0: Thank you for downloading Producers Pick from Sounds True, a podcast dedicated to bringing you moving, captivating, and intriguing selections from our programs. In this podcast, the producers at Sounds True have chosen a selection from a program they've worked on which caught their attention as a unique or special moment in the recording process. This week's episode, Learning Self-Forgiveness, comes from the audio series meditations on the mat with author and yoga teacher Rolf Gates. Mitchell Clute, a producer at Sounds True, was with Rolf in the Sounds True studio for this recording. Here's what Mitchell had to say about this week's producer's pick. So many meditation
1: practices focus on working with thoughts and stilling the mind, but don't really address the heart. What I love about Rolf's approach is that he really looks at the power of the heart for fostering calm and connection, and he grounds his teaching in his own experience, even if that means sharing some stories that are tender and even uncomfortable. In this selection, he looks at the ways we beat ourselves up for our imperfections and how the judgments we level against the world ultimately stem from our difficulty in offering forgiveness to ourselves. It's a potent message and a powerful way to approach our practice, whether that's meditation,
0: yoga, or just everyday life. You can download this entire program, Meditations on the Mat, at SoundsTrue.com. And now our producer's pick, Learning Self-Forgiveness with Rolf Gates.
1: And so, this final skill, as we devote ourselves to knowing better in order to do better, is forgiveness. And as we come to understand the concept of forgiveness, we realize that we must begin with ourselves. I was in a room a few years back with uh, over 100 dedicated meditators being guided by some of the best meditation teachers in the country. And so this is an annual gathering in the desert led by Jack Hornfield and many of his teachers. And there's so much momentum behind this annual gathering that... The sign-ups start at midnight, and on the day of the sign-up, you stay up until midnight and you sign up. These are the regulars. These are the frequent flyers. So it's top-notch students with top-notch teachers, and we're going through a 10-day meditation retreat, and it's pretty arduous, doing walking and sitting meditation all day long for 10 days in the desert. There's only a short period of time each day when the students are allowed to ask questions, and... Maybe the first or second day, someone asked a question like, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of judgment. And then the next day, someone else raises their hand. Oh, I, I'm experiencing a lot of judgment. And then the third day, someone's, I'm experiencing a lot of judgment. And so, you know, I, I was experiencing a lot of other things. I was experiencing bodily pain, um, boredom, uh, fear of failure. I was experiencing a number of things. And so I'm sure judgment was in there, but it took me a while to recognize the pattern that in this room of, you know, fairly mature, grown up individuals dedicated to working on themselves, there was a lot of the phenomena of judgment. And so that afternoon, our teachers dedicated the Session to what I'm going to be teaching you in this portion of the program. First and foremost, they explain to us that if there's judgment present, that means you're judging your surroundings, you're judging other individuals, you know, judging concepts, you know, like corporate America, whatever. If there's judgment that you're, you're sending out into the world, it is a reflection of your discomfort with yourself. And this is a statement that was just made by my teachers. And I was not able to completely either understand or misunderstand that statement. It was just a statement that was made. And I was in a silent retreat, so I just listened. And I wasn't able to connect to the validity of this statement until I actually went through a self-forgiveness exercise. And so what ensued was what I'm going to be teaching you, which is, a very systematic approach to forgiving yourself for those times in your life that you have not lived as skillfully as you would have liked. And so they had us go through our life from age zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, and just find an instance where we had lived unskillfully or behaved unskillfully or and somehow fallen in our own self-appraisal. And then we were to forgive ourselves for Making mistakes, we were forgive ourselves for being imperfect and forgive ourselves for having to be a learner in this lifetime, that to forgive ourselves for needing to learn things by living them. And what was fascinating to me before I even started was how logical the case was to forgive ourselves. I hadn't really connected forgiving myself with the kind of caustic judgment that I leveled at the world. You know, no one's doing it right. The people in front of me are driving are doing it wrong. The people at the grocery line are doing it wrong. The people at Starbucks are doing it wrong. You know, The political parties are doing it wrong. The politicians are doing it wrong. My neighbors are doing it wrong. All of that, I hadn't connected that habit of mind with the notion that maybe I thought I was doing it wrong. But maybe there's a connection between the way I'm treating myself and the way I'm treating you. This was unexamined. But before I even did the practice, I was able to hear the logic of forgiving myself for making mistakes. I was like, well, that's logical. I have a right to make mistakes. And, well, then forgive yourself for being imperfect. Well, that's logical. And Well, then forgive yourself for learning. There's some things you have to learn. You can't get on a surfboard on day one and be excellent. You have to learn how to surf. And there'll probably be imperfections and mistakes along the way. And I was like, well, that's logical. So right off the bat, I was being presented with something that no one had presented me with, was the, kind of the logical case for letting yourself off the hook. That whoever you were at 15 or 20 or 25, maybe you merited a little forgiveness for making mistakes. Maybe you merited a little forgiveness for being imperfect. Maybe you merited a little forgiveness for not knowing everything. A little forgiveness... So then we started it and I went and I saw a couple things. One of the more poignant things. Now I was taught zero to 10 and I've taught this a number of times since then. And people kind of balk at finding fault with themselves from zero to 10. I did not. I was a part of a clique when I was in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And being kind of clicky was not consistent with my values. And so it's easy for me to go back at that time. I also, I had... Less than perfect empathy for the struggles of my siblings, and in ways that still don't sit well with me. And so I can go back to zero to ten and find things I can forgive myself for. But where things get really juicy for me, and I think for most people is adolescence. You can really find some times where there's just that adolescent self-centeredness and confusion that nets out to some some whoppers, you know? And so there I am in the desert, and I'm picturing myself. I'm a junior in high school. I'm into sporting school, I'm in a dining room, and I'm just kind of picturing myself at that life moment. And I could immediately see two things. One is I could see how there is a difference between who I was and my behavior. That behavior is a very complex thing. You know, a lot of why we do what we do is we're taught to be a certain way by our families, we're taught to be a certain way by our culture, by our time and our place. So I could immediately see how, that I was standing in the world based on kind of uh, 70s modeling. So I was somewhere between James Bond and John Wayne. I had a lot of 70s thoughts and feelings about sexuality. I had a lot of 70s thoughts and feelings about race. I had a lot of 70s thoughts and feelings about gender. Not necessarily that much about the oppression of women, but certainly how men are supposed to be. And these are things that I can now see that weren't really a commentary on The individual, but on on the circumstances. And I could see how there was a difference between the person and the behavior. I also was able to see how easy it is for me at 40 or 50 to judge my behavior at 16 and how unfair it is. And I got into that particular understanding by asking myself a simple question. If I knew then what I know now, would I do differently? And invariably, when I go back and do this exercise, the answer is yes. If I knew then what I know now, I would have had the privilege of a more skillful behavior. And I saw how I have earned whatever level of skillfulness in my life. Earlier parts of myself had to earn that for me by making mistakes and by learning through doing. There was a courage that I needed to have in my teens, in my twenties, in my thirties, to live the hand I had been dealt. And my willingness to play that hand gave me the experience that I needed to have the wisdom that I have today. It was pretty easy to see how if I was being fair, if I was being rational, that forgiving myself for being imperfect, for making mistakes and having to learn made sense. And I went ahead and did it. And what I found was that it was a huge energetic shift. You know, we've been relaxing into connection for the last few sessions and we've been directing our gaze and we've been asking what things are like. But before we can really direct our gaze, we have to relax into connection. And what we're discovering is there's a lot of tension in there. We can relax at a conscious level, but there's a lot of subconsciously held tension in our bodies. And that tension basically stands in the way of clear seeing. It is a resistance to connection. It is a resistance to clear seeing. It is a resistance to understanding outside of understanding through the veil of our
0: past.